This is Alan Karpik with Brian Newbert on our Saturday simulcast. Uh, and uh, Brian will be shedding a lot of wisdom here in the next few minutes. Tom Deanart will join us in the second segment after Purdue's Saturday football scrimmage. Be interested to hear from what uh, Tom heard from Coach Ryan Walters. I want to thank the Union Club Hotel, 811 Bistro, Boiler Up Bar. We appreciate uh, all their support over the years and uh they have been great for for not only golden black but uh, also big supporters of uh uh the purdue center for cancer research cancer institute today a big event uh with the the purdue challenge as well so brian we want to get started there's uh the wonderful world of college athletics even after college basketball i should say obviously it's been a couple of weeks since we've had you on but after the final four and of course UConn looked like a national championship team, but the three of the four teams in the final four were uh, a little bit different uh, in terms of uh, ability. But NIL, Transfer Portal, it all opens up uh, uh, today, as in April 15th, the portal does. But uh, you wrote, I think, this week a little bit about the uh, this kind of the crazy state of college basketball and how it's not, it's becoming less and less appealing. Uh, but no less crazy. Uh, after writing that, uh, any more wisdom you want to want to share with us on that on that topic? Yeah, I still hate what college basketball is kind of becoming. It, it's just becoming, you know, this this cesspool of knifing one another in the back. I mean, it was right. always a sport where 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 coaches sat next to one another in July and pretended to be friends, and then you know stabbed each other in the back when it came <laughs> to the actual uh, work part of their jobs but now it's just everybody's messing with everybody else's players uh there's just no boundaries anymore uh you know the, the some of these recruitments a lot of these recruitments are just the first question a recruit asks is how much you can give me yeah or the last question which is way worse because now you put all this time into recruiting this kid and now you have to answer this question it remains illegal by the way to give money to a recruit specifically to come to your school that is where the NCAA, you know, first off, the NCAA lost control this 20 years ago when they could have got out in front of it and they could have they could have put a workable situation together. They could have gotten a PR win. They could have looked like the good guys back then and gotten out in front of all this. They did not. The second area where they kind of they kind of botched this was they they did not kind of put out there in strong enough language. If anybody even would have cared yeah. that, you know, NIL is one thing. Giving people NIL money or promising them NIL money specifically to come to your school, that is the same thing that has been a recruiting violation for 100 years. And those rules still exist. Whether they're enforceable or not, that's a whole other conversation. Um but those are NCAA violations. People are committing NCAA violations left and right, and it's getting whitewashed. It's getting talked about as normal. It's getting normalized in the way it's covered, in the way coaches talk about it. As I said in my column, it's kind of becoming street legal. Right. And that's not what name, image, and likeness was supposed to be. It's what everybody feared it would be, and it didn't have to be. But you know, the NCAA just completely lost control of this. They had to be forced into it by the by state governments. And now I know the only hope would be for the federal government to, to step in and do something. But 
A, first of all, the federal government has much bigger fish to fry than this. And B, what right-minded politician in America would vote against, you know, free market, you know, principles like this. This is capitalism at it at its mm-hmm. finest and no one is going to try to try to take this on in that regard now there's going to be some states you know there are some states yeah right now trying yeah. to stand up for their schools competitively in their states connecticut probably being one um trying to think of some others schools that are disadvantaged by this that they're going to want controls on this because they're going to want to suck up to their people in their state um, Alabama's done a little bit of that too, I think. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, nothing will come of it, yeah. and it's just going to continue on. The convergence of this and the transfer uh, culture now, and the COVID year, all at once, has been this toxic mix of this is a golden age for tampering, because yeah. before, if you mess with somebody else's players you jarred them loose and tried to get them to come to your place. You still had to wait a year. And now there are coaches looking at their rosters saying, Oh damn, we need a point guard next year. And so they have their lower level staffers or whatever, or somebody or whatever. And, you know, tampering has always been easy because all you got to do is call a coach, call a high school coach, call an AAU coach, whatever. Hey, tell the family this. And a lot of them will, you know, uh, will do that. So the message is getting across, but it's so bold now, I think that people are just going straight to the players and, uh, you know, um, Hey man, we really need you next year. Um, uh, you know, we just had this kid, he's going to the NBA. You got to step right in. We'll, we'll get you in the NBA. Or as I, I said before, we'll give you until they get 250 grand to be here. Uh, you know, something like that. And it's, yeah. just, it's just a complete, complete lawlessness. Yeah, yeah, it is from that standpoint. Oh, for the days of How long did Joe, I just talk? I don't know, but Joe, that was good. It was well-spoken. I'm a little Joe bit out Till, of practice here. Joe Tiller and the snake oil salesman. I don't know if that was the start, start, the start of tampering. It wasn't. Well, that's a, well, no, that wasn't tampering. And Rich Rodriguez, I should that say. That was recruiting but, because yeah, the exactly. kid hadn't signed with Purdue. He wasn't at Purdue. He was just no. a committed recruit. And there's it, it's never been illegal or... In college football, it's for the last however many years, however many decades. It's not even there's not even a stigma anymore right. to recruiting other people's commitments. It's a different deal in basketball. It really is. The recruiting culture has generally been much different in that regard. It's been much dirt. It's been just as dirty. Yeah, but you don't see the same. You know, uh, trying to flip recruits in basketball as you do in football. I can't speak to the tampering in football. I'm sure it goes on. Um, but in basketball, one player makes such a bigger difference sure. for you that if you go get, if you're, you know, so-and-so uh, in the big 10 and you go get ball state's point guard, when you don't have a point guard next year, ball state is screwed, but you just filled your biggest hole. And that made that changes your record next season. That makes you a better team and you need to win every year to keep your job. So um, the, the tampering situation in, in college basketball is just. Yeah. It's hard. It's, it's, it's hard. Reaching to, its golden era here. Yeah. Uh-huh. And we're, we're on, we're in the, uh, the, uh, 
Yeah, the golden age of that uh, uh, without question. And I think that you're going to look at that situation where uh, it will be fascinating to see uh, what happens, what happens down the road and, and what the heck, what, what are we talking about two or three years from now when this, uh, all comes to pass? Now, what was the name of the receiver? I'm trying to draw the blank of Roy Roundtree. Roy Roundtree. Right? I'm sorry. I, I just was bothered by that. And, uh, you're absolutely right on that front. All right. Uh, certainly, uh, there's lots of talk. Lance Jones obviously commits to Purdue, the transfer portal southern illinois i thought you did a good job of uh, uh putting some video together to see what see what you see on on him and what he'll bring to the table your your thoughts there on uh, uh a guy that uh, should be able to come in here and fill some form of a role for the boilermakers in 23 24 yeah i'm i'm glad you asked because there's something i i've kind of left out in what uh yeah what i've written about him you know I think this has been sort of framed and I'm probably guilty of it as this is a backup they were looking for, like somebody to fill David Jenkins role, uh, you know, behind Braden Smith, you know, potentially behind Fletcher lawyer, stuff like that. This is a starter caliber player. Yeah. And writing him off as a starter just because Purdue wasn't necessarily going out looking for a starter, desperately needing a starter, you know, might be premature. You know, Purdue plays three guards a lot, and it, it's not outside the realm of possibility that this guy can, you know, be versatile enough and good enough uh, to come in and, you know, earn one of those starting jobs. And then there would be plenty of minutes to go around for all of these guys too. Um, so, I think he's from a, a defensive perspective. I think he's got a chance to be really good on the ball. I think he takes defense really seriously, but he also, I think, has some potential to be pretty good off the ball too. Even though he's only six one, I think he's pretty strong. Uh, he's pretty tenacious from an offensive perspective. He's he's got some real quickness to him. He's got some real burst to him. He's got some real speed to him. He he's going to give them an element that you know they didn't have after Jaden Ivey left. I'm not saying he's Jaden Ivey's fast, quick, or whatever, explosive, but he's better than anything Purdue had this past season, that's for sure. Um, so I think elementally, uh, if that's a word, I think he fills <laughs> some real needs there. And uh, you know, you know, obviously Purdue has some uh has some minutes to fill in its backcourt uh and got a really good player with a lot of experience a guy who's a proven player uh, offensively, defensively, you know, he, he, uh, I know his three point shooting plummeted this past but year. But it was good though. Right. And you, I mean, he had first two years. was pretty his, good. His, for his, his sophomore year, he shot like 44%. Right. You know how right. many threes he took this year? Yeah. 250. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know how many Fletcher lawyer took who he led Purdue in volume this year in th- shoot three-pointers 181 yeah so that's how many threes lance jones took at siu this past year that's obnoxious volume and that he will shoot he will be shooting per game a fraction of that number he's probably a guy who i'm just spitballing here takes one or two a game on most nights uh because purdue's not going to ask him to come in here and you know go get 18 19 20 points a game like Southern Illinois probably on a lot of nights needed him to do. Um, 
So if he just goes back to less is more, like it seemed to be earlier in his career when Southern Illinois had some more players around him, I'm not so sure he can't be uh he can't be a pretty productive three-point shooter, too. Uh, and that's that's Purdue's biggest need uh between this year and, and next, because they can't do the five of twenty-six thing again. Um, yeah. with their season on the line. They've gotta they've gotta build a firewall against you know the the fickleness of the three-point shot any way they can. And yeah, if they go and get somebody else uh from the transfer wire here, which they're gonna explore at least, uh, I would imagine that's gonna be a big part of the criteria of what they're looking for is shot makers, because you know, Purdue wasn't a good enough three-point shooting team to maximize the matchup with Zach Eady. And it didn't matter. Zach Eady was still the player of the year uh, unanimously anyway, but you saw what it did to Purdue season. It ended it because, you know, Purdue went, uh, you know, was awful shooting threes uh, at the worst time when the opponent was daring them to shoot threes, not even guarding them. And that put out there uh, a little bit of a how-to guide uh, against Zach Eady now if he comes back next season. Uh, well, I want to ask you about that. And also Brandon Newman, we haven't talked to, uh, since Brandon's uh, uh, moved to the transfer portal. Uh, not unexpected there. And and Zach Eady, everybody's waiting to find out exactly how that's going to play out. Uh, just some thoughts there. I mean, Newman obviously did some really good things at Purdue, was a major contributor, did some good things this year, but maybe it's a it's uh, also maybe one of those best for both both worlds, uh, the fact that he moves on and might get a chance to go someplace else. Yeah, I thought he needed a fresh start. And, you know, I feel, I still think he's a good player. I still think yeah. he can be a really good player someplace. It just became abundantly clear it probably wasn't going to be at Purdue. I mean, he's had so many opportunities, and um, it just never clicked. It, it never clicked in a sustainable manner, I think attention to detail, playing to strengths, I think defensive preparation, you know, things like that matter a little bit more at Purdue than they might somewhere that's just going to run up and down the floor and, and shoot. And uh, um, I think I think those were things that, uh, you know, he sometimes struggled with. Um, you know, I don't think he came to Purdue as ready as a lot of players uh or as some players do, I, I think his his basketball IQ coming to Purdue was sort of the reason he redshirted. They wanted to get him a little more seasoning, a little more acclimation to structure. And I don't know if it ever really, you know, got to where it needed to be. You saw flashes, obviously, but sure. those flashes came in the form of him making a bunch of shots or him really locking down somebody one on one defensively. And uh, he was a better one-on-one defender, I think, than he was a team defender. And uh, uh, that was something that, you know, uh, was an issue at times. But, you know, for some, for somebody who, you know, he, he's got such ability as jump shooter. And I don't know what he shot this year, but it was low 30s, right? Something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, when your strengths aren't your strengths, and you need your strengths to offset your weaknesses. It just it just it just makes it hard, you know, to have you out there. And uh, uh, I think that's what has happened here to some extent to Brandon Newman the last couple of years. 
you know, Jaden Ivey didn't help uh, Fletcher Lawyer as good as he was right from the jump. Uh, was, you know, certainly didn't help. Um, and, you know, Fletcher Lawyer's not going anywhere. So uh, I think his outlook, I think the outlook on both sides was uh, a fresh start could probably help you. I, I think Purdue was very supportive of this, if you know what I mean. Sure. Um and uh, obviously, we'll be rooting for him. Everyone loves Brandon Newman. This, yeah. I don't think it's anything personal about this. I think this is. I don't. I doubt Brandon Newman has any ill will toward Purdue. Um, and Purdue sure as hell doesn't have any ill will toward Brandon Newman. He's a great kid. Everybody loves him, and uh, everybody will be rooting for him next year wherever he goes. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see where he lands. But uh, maybe telling on with respect to uh, where. Where this this world uh, again the transfer portal he could there's a number of different places that uh, I think could find a place for a guy like Brandon Newman uh, a guy that uh, also uh, you know was in a situation that uh, did did do some good things a lot of it, certainly down the stretch he did as well but, but you're right only shot 36 percent from the field uh, all told and. Uh, uh, that, uh, you know, at times uh, never could fully get it going all the time, but uh, had his moments to be sure. Right, I did want to ask you about Zach Eady and, uh, uh, you know, just your thoughts there. I mean, obviously, one would have to, it's almost a guarantee that he's going to, he's going to be testing the waters, we know, uh, with the NBA and and still seeing where he stacks up. But any indications, any gut feelings there or where, where this is, or is it just a case of uh, Purdue fans have to be patient? Well, I think patience is obviously part of it because, you know, I think he would be in dereliction of his duty to himself as a potential professional right? to not give the NBA every chance to say, Hey, we're going to give you half a million bucks a year um, and sign you to a guaranteed contract, you know, something like that. Um, but that process runs into the summer. Right. Uh, so whether he goes, whether he takes that all the way, whether he can get into the combine, whether he can get some, you know, team workouts and whatnot, and take this all the way down to the wire uh, in the summer uh, or April, whatever. It's April now. Never mind. Um, <laughs> whenever the deadline is, June. Yeah, yeah uh, I think it's late May or early June, right? That's going to be a process that has to play out. So he has all the information. Remember, he, he may like it at Purdue. He may want to come back, and I think part of him does. I think he's. I think he likes it here uh, at Purdue. I think he likes his teammates. I think he doesn't want to go out the way he will go out if he leaves. Um, but at the same time, any one of us would look at this like, all right, if I'm going to, if the NBA is going to give me a guaranteed three year deal or something like that, I have to take that. Yeah. Um, or at least I have to take my shot at getting that. Uh, there are no guarantees, but he's also a smart enough kid to know that it's not 1988 anymore and the style of basketball in the NBA now really narrows the pool of potential uh, teams that will draft you. So you have to be one of the best in the world at that niche that you're good at. And you still have Europe to contend with. You still have the, some of these massive guys in the NBA now who are veterans who are taking that seat at the end of the bench to play every third game when they might be needed to guard, you know, whoever. 
uh, put a body on a Dwight Howard or something like that. Uh, so Zach Eadie is going to have to be better than everyone else in the draft at being seven foot four, 300 pounds. I think that's probably uh, a safe assumption he will be. But there's also all of the other giants on the planet, you know, who are functional basketball players, who are good basketball players, are probably vying for about six jobs in the NBA. That's probably overstating it. Um, I don't know how much, you know, he'd stand to make if he wanted to go overseas. I don't know what the pro league in Canada pays. I doubt it's great. Um, I'll also add that those buses you take in the G League <laughs> are not nearly Ain't as so comfortable good. <laughs> as Purdue's new locker room will be, as Purdue's charter flights will be. And I think big guys like being comfortable, right? Yeah. Um, I think that'll be part of it. But I think, obviously, it has to make sense business-wise. And that's where maybe this is where Purdue finally, you know, benefits from the changing landscape of college basketball. And maybe, you know, he can – cobble together enough NIL deals to make the numbers work to where his time doesn't have to be now to go get paid that he can make enough money by staying at Purdue to make that the better option. That's what Trace Jackson Davis did this year. That's what Hunter Dickinson did this year, even though he's fishing now for an even bigger payout. Um, That's why college basketball now is transitioning toward being played by men as opposed to, to, to boys uh, the way it used to be where it was, it was 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds. Now it's going to be 21, 22, 23-year-olds sort of ruling the sport. And this is Purdue's opportunity to, you know, be in that mix by getting potentially getting Zach Eady back and having um, virtually the same team as the one that was, that was a runaway Big Ten champion, uh, number one in the country for a while, and just needed to make more threes in the NCAA yeah. tournament. Um, so we'll see where it about, goes. Yeah. If I had to bet, I would think that, you know, it's going to be real. The option of coming back to Purdue is going to be real appealing when that time comes. Um, we'll see. Yeah. All right. You are going to be on the road, uh, today being Saturday, we are actually recording late Friday, but, uh, uh I'm actually driving right now. Yeah, <laughs> you are. I still can't get past the police squad thing, but we—that's an inside joke, so we'll, we'll keep it at that. But <laughs> the um, the um, and, and I have laughed over that. Uh, but the whole situation with uh, you know what you'll be watching this weekend and maybe next. Uh, uh, what's the landscape out there like, uh, you know, with, with this, not only some guys that Purdue has committed, but some guys that you're looking at that Purdue's uh, hoping to get uh, in the mix here down the road. What would give us a little preview of what, uh, what you're looking at? Well, Purdue's, you know, still going to play around with that last scholarship that opened up with Brandon Newman's transfer. So they're going to keep looking at what's available, uh, in the transfer marketplace, I refuse to use the P word anymore. It's, yeah. it, 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 it's, become, mark- it's become overly used and I I'm abstaining from it. Uh, um, fair enough. They're going to continue to look at the uh, transfer directory and see <laughs> if they can find somebody that can make a difference next year, like a, like a high impact type of player who that would be. No idea. Can Purdue get that? player i have no idea but they're at least open to it and they're going to try to find somebody but they're not just 
this isn't about filling a need. This is just trying to make your team better if you can find a difference maker, as Danny Hope would say. Um, <laughs> outside of that, they have to you know finish off their 2024 class. They have to literally sit on cannon catchings all spring and summer. Um, obviously, Jack Benner is 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 already committed as well. Um, scholarship numbers, who the hell knows? Um, yeah, because if they take another transfer, he's a multi-year guy. Or someone decides they want to use their COVID year, uh, everything changes. But um, obviously, at least one or two more scholarships for twenty twenty four. I'd imagine they're going to look for a big guy. Um, can never have enough shooters. Uh, you know, Matt Painter has come to the realization his team needs more quickness. His team needs more athleticism. Uh, you know, there's still a long-term point guard, uh, you know, void to fill because Braden Smith's not going to be at Purdue forever. Uh, we have to talk about kids that way um, because when they play their freshman year, you have to start planning already for them to, you know, be gone after their right. their, their their senior year, if not Before. sooner in some yeah. cases. Um so it's going to be, you know, Purdue has its work cut out for it here uh, in terms of getting that 2024 class done, uh, but also getting ahead on the 2025 class. Uh, there's never a dull moment in basketball recruiting. Uh, they will be plenty busy. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to be the case. And uh, and there'll be some level of uh, hijinks and drama uh, at the same time uh, uh, as you continue to follow this. All right. We will take, we're not going to take a short break because there aren't any commercials here, but we will take a little transition to Tom Deanart, talks in Purdue football uh, after uh, Saturday's scrimmage. And Brian, thanks so much as always, and uh, uh, safe travels when you're on the road. Thank you. Now with Tom Deanart, after a, he has been one busy person, and I'm afraid <laughs> with the transfer portal opening today, his head will be on a swivel with uh, with that as well. But obviously, this is a after practice Purdue's second scrimmage, is it right of uh, of the spring? Yep. And and of course, uh, you talked to Ryan Walters. If you had a chance to watch that interview, I always ask you the same question about body language and what you see, and I and we put you in a bad position. It's a hard question to answer. He seems he's always he's kind of short in his answers. Didn't want to. He said maybe the defense. Did yeah. a little better today, but still goes back to Hudson Card and likes what he sees. But uh, your impressions from another balmy afternoon in West Lafayette. Yeah, you're right. Um, he's careful with his words, like every good yeah. head coach, I guess. Never offers too much. Yeah, of course, remember, we can't watch the full proceedings. So we only watched like the first five periods today and um, really none of the scrimmage action. So rely on other people. <laughs> and Coach Walters to get some intel about what went on. And you're right, Alan, he talked about Hudson Card, and anybody who's been following along this spring knows that praise is, has been effusive, not just from Ryan Walters, but from Graham Harrell and others in and around the program when it comes to the subject of, of number one, Hudson Card. So the story was the same today, which obviously is good news for Purdue, right? Because yeah. we all know Hudson Card's going to have to excel if Purdue wants to achieve its goals. So, again, I guess the one thing, as we know, you know, spring football, there are no absolutes, right? Uh, we're such a long way away from September 2nd, that Fresno State game. And this year, maybe more than any, maybe yeah. in some Purdue history, Alan, there's going to be so much change still to come. 
on this roster between now and again that September second kickoff uh, against the Bulldogs. As you noted, the portal opened today, April fifteenth. The fifteen day window closes the thirtieth. And yeah, like you said, uh, buckle your seatbelt because uh, here we go, right? I think we all know there's going to be some some change on this roster. Guys leaving and guys coming in. Alan, they had two cornerbacks at practice today. Uh, so again, um, it's only just begun. Yeah, you know, I, I got a kick out of what he said. You know, uh, in the interview, and you, I think you asked the question about, well. What do you like about your defense or what do you like about, he said, it's just going to be such a big, he said, he just anticipate we're going to have some changes. He likes the fact that they're in the right place. He's got his, got his system installed, but the guys that maybe, and and obviously he's got a lot of guys sitting out this year, but that seemed to me to hit to me to anything. He is going to be active as he can be in the next couple of weeks. One would think. I didn't even talk about the guys who are, who are, who are here and will be here, but are hurt. And he, and he went through them all, darn near, I think, right? Well, I've chronicled them, it seems like, a hundred times the last four weeks. People are probably tired of hearing about it. They're the key guys to know that have been out as they come off injury. Of course, Gus Hartwig being the key at center there. Demar J. Lewis, a nose tackle. Uh, Kydrin Jenkins is going to play that outside linebacker spot. He hasn't played at all this spring. He's probably He could be a starter, Allen. Maybe Scotty Humpets, another outside linebacker. He has not played all spring either. So those have really been, I guess, key guys. Brock Thompson, the wide receiver, too, Allen. He's never really fully suited up this spring. Those, in my mind, are key guys. Garrett Miller is another one, the tight end, that have not done anything this spring. So what we're seeing right now, my friend, is, is, is generously a reasonable facsimile of what we're <laughs> going to see in a couple months. Yeah, no doubt. And and I thought he gave the uh, obligatory, which I, I respect, the almost uh, divine pray- prayer for no injuries next week. Yeah. Uh, I got it. Also thought it interesting, and you've well reported this uh, throughout the spring. There will be no spring game. Yeah. It will be a practice. It will be open just to family members and media, unless something changed, right, Tom? And then, no, no, no. So, and it will be out at Folk Field. We'll be. It will be good for you to at least be able to watch. I assume you're going to be able to watch the whole practice. Is Hold that right? on there. Hold on. Alan. Okay. <laughs> I asked about that today. We're still about a week away, obviously, from that game. Or not game, but practice. We're still about a week away, obviously, April 22nd. And, again, it's going to be a practice. It's not a game. And um, I guess it's still to be determined okay. <laughs> how much maybe we're all going to get to watch. So, um, we're just going to have to wait and see. I'm sure we'll find out maybe no later than Thursday or Friday what their plans are from from uh, how much the media will be able to watch of that final practice. And again, it's not open to the public. Only the media and only family of players will be allowed. And Alan, they do have a contingency plan. I guess the weather could it could rain a lot Friday night. It could make for a sloppy field. If they think that it's just not good conditions, they're going to obviously just keep it on site, either go out on the Bimmel practice field or go inside of the Mollenkopf and play. All right. Uh, that's the definition of things anymore. It's to be determined and uh, your flexibility is always appreciated. But yeah, I, 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 I'm going to guess, this is a guess, 
I'm going to guess that you will not be able to watch that old practice. I I just, I think that's a fair guess. Uh, I think the families will be able to watch them. Uh, Yeah, they do. They they, they can always stay. They can always stay. And I think that uh, that's going to, that's just my guess. And I'm not being cynical. And and I respect, you know, and you and I have had this conversation. in our business, we'd love to be in, and, and as much as you do such a good job of covering practice, you'd love to be in there every second of every day and watch it all and break it all down. But we understand the world of uh, uh, new trying to install. Ryan Walters also has been not coy, but he is careful about, he's said publicly, you know, he's really not going to want to invite uh, a lot of people in to watch his defense just yet. He's also got a daunting 12 game schedule next year of which he has little margin for error. And, and uh, you, you just want to, you don't want to give anything out. I get all that. I mean, is that a fair assessment of really where we are in today's world? I think you're right. Um, a new coach, young coach. I mean, if it were me, I'd be, I'd be full of paranoia, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah. Um, why, why not err on the side of prudence and, and trying to, trying to keep things as under wraps as you can to this point, Alan. And he talked today about, again, how you alluded to it too, how unique his systems are on offense and on defense. And this coming week, that was one of the things they were, he said they were going to work on uh, having their, their, their respective units play more traditional offenses and defenses that they're likely to face. It's because you're always practicing. You may be practicing against something you're never going to see, Alan. Yeah. And, try to get some reps against, I guess, some of the more, more, I guess, prevalent offenses and defenses that, that they're, they're, they're going to encounter in the big 10 this year. I'm just thankful that you ask those questions because you, and you're, you're pleasant, but pleasantly, but you just keep saying, how, how many snaps did you get? And, and <laughs> just just want to know. And they he told you, and, and I thought that was very interesting to me. The last part of that interview, when he did talk about, yeah, he's going to, He's going to do some quasi prep for what he might see next year. And I think, I think that is good for a young coach or any coach is, you know, this is the whole point of spring ball is yes, you want to get your things installed, but you got to, you got to also set the right tone from yeah. now through uh, when you're back in camp around the first of August, you want to, you want to make sure your guys know that, Hey, this is, this is what it's about. We mean business not And I sense with that group, um uh, that they that they mean business and uh, the kids seem to know that just a different vibe alan and everybody you talk to that's been around the program the last what three or four months i talked to for to jason lorzell today he was on campus son and his son's name is will and he's a tight end big six five kid alan looks good but yeah jason even obviously kind of (laughs) chuckled when i when i mentioned that to him he goes yeah i know yeah. But uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's probably a change that's that's welcomed, I'll be honest with you, to pivot from the, the Jeff Brom era to the Ryan Walters regime. Um, it's just, a, like I say, a different vibe, a friendly vibe, a very open and inviting vibe. Uh, and they, they, they try to have fun while also doing their work. Yeah. We all know this is serious business, Alan. Um, we all get that, uh, but but they try to, Everybody, whatever you do in life, you want to try to have some fun while you're working, right? And just talking to a lot of recruits, guys who come through here this spring for visits, and that's a that's a theme they've resonated to. They really seem to connect with this coaching staff, beginning with Coach Walters. So it's going to be interesting, Alan. Like I said, what this what this roster looks like here, like I said, in a few months, uh, 
we could see upwards of maybe 10 guys leave Allen. Uh, maybe that many come in from the portal. Like I said, they had two cornerbacks on campus today. They had a kid from Penn State, Marquise Wilson, who I expected to be here. They also had a kid from a Division Division II school called West Liberty in West Virginia. Oh, yeah. Excellent program. Yeah, okay. So he, he, he's, he was on campus. And, uh, again, that, that's a position that they've got great need at. Cornerback may be their most urgent need. So uh, I also also believe, Alan, they're – they got a high school kid here that's that's ready to announce for Purdue as well, maybe the next couple of days. So keep that on everybody's radar out there. So yeah, they continue to to, to build on that 24 class, Alan. They've got four commits right now. Of course, they lost the kid on Thursday. Eric Carner sort of decommitted, wanted to reopen his commitment. You know, he's been recruited by Alabama and Arkansas and South Carolina. And uh so again, Purdue lost a guy this last week, but I think they're soon gonna gain one. That would be get them back up to five commits for this class. And again, they've only scratched the surface here with this, with this again, 2024 recruiting class. Yeah. The key is always to get them. You can get them on campus. That's a yeah. good start. He seems to be doing a really good job with that. That part is uh super, but you know, one, one last question and, and hard, you know, I was talking about West Liberty and I just had a little bit of experience of being very, there. well, I lived there for a year and, and that is a very competitive conference. Just like the, just like in Ohio, the D3 schools, they, they take it very seriously. And that's what's kind of interesting. You've seen a little bit in basketball. Purdue, unfortunately, saw that at, in, in the NCAA tournament this year. Fairly Dickinson rolled out a bunch of D2 guys that uh, came out, transferred. Uh, yep. And that night, and he actually the next game against Florida Atlantic, played very, very well. You can't, uh, can't take anything away from My point is, it's interesting that uh, you may find some guys that uh, you know have blossomed at the right time. They can fill a gap, and that might be happy also in a backup role, or at least would could live with the fact that you, I'm not walking in and starting. Obviously, if I'm a D two guy coming to Purdue, I think there's something to be said for that very fact, Alan. You get the kid transferring, say from like an Alabama or some big SEC school to Purdue you kind of wonder what type of an attitude he's going to come here with. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you get a guy coming up like, like you mentioned, Alan, and I think there's maybe I'm making too big of a, of a, of a judgment here, but I think sometimes those guys got that old eye of the tiger, you know, yeah. They're stepping up. They got something to prove. And Alan, just recent history, they've had two guys from the D two ranks help the football program. Chris Jefferson. Remember Chris Jefferson came oh, yeah. to college in Ohio <laughs> And then Bryce Hampton came from Division right. Adams State. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised, Alan. Uh, I do think Purdue is, is going to pursue a quarterback to be a backup. And I do think they may have to go this same route, Alan, look for a quarterback that's playing at a lower level. Yeah, good point. And I think it's an interesting storyline. Okay, there'll be a lot of storylines here in the next uh, uh, while this wonderful portal is open and the rest of spring ball. And uh, we appreciate all your work, man. You've busted the hump with recruiting and, and everything else. Uh, great stuff. And, and, and making chicken salad out of, you know, what, out of, uh, I was sick of being able to watch parts of practice, but. Uh, uh, There's a lot going on. I love doing it. And uh, I get a chance to work with some great people and that, and uh, that from, from you and everybody at Golden Black. And then, Again, I'm just I'm lucky I work with some other really good people too that that um allow me to do this. And again, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, 
a lot of fun being able to do this kind of stuff and I hope people enjoy it. Uh, no doubt. All right. Well, have a good rest of the weekend. Uh, and hopefully you won't have four, four uh, commitments tomorrow on <laughs> the transfer portal, but maybe a day off would be good. But uh, we'll look forward to your coverage next week and, and uh, look forward to joining you for at least the six. If, if we get six six uh, periods in for spring uh, yeah, spring game, I'll, I'll be there next Saturday with you. So, all right. Sounds good. And I want to thank the Union Club Hotel. Uh, Boiler Up Bar, thank Brian Newbert, obviously, for joining us uh, on the front end. Thank also all of our folks that uh, donated to the Purdue Challenge. We had a, a terrific uh, response from a lot of our readers. We appreciate them and a, a successful race today as well. Uh, and uh, that part was a great thing, too. So we'll look forward to next week. We'll probably do one later in the day after that closing of spring ball, kind of like today. And mm -hmm. uh, we'll enjoy getting that, uh, putting a stamp or, or an exclamation point, maybe uh, on, or maybe it's just a period on the end of the <laughs> uh, end of the end of spring ball. All right, oh. have a great week, everyone. All right.